It's Friday. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here. Everybody's traveling right now. Well, not everybody. Those of us that aren't traveling are here doing a Friday stream. Hello, chat room. Hey, Cheesy. Hey, baby. It's Friday. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Hey, Alex. Hi. How's it going? Hello. Good. Good. I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty jealous that uh, Al and Wes got to go to Spain, but you know now they're having to deal with that whole the, 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 the bad part of a trip and that's that's the flying home and the flight delays and stuff like that. That's the part I don't miss. Yeah, it's the part where you just want your own bed and your own shower. What are we listening to? Uh, this is the Molly Maguires. This is actually an album from I think 2004. Uh, some of my friends here on the Texas Gulf Coast, um, an all instrumental surf rock band like they they like to call themselves uh dirty surf but yeah this is a texas surf band yeah these are uh like all three of these guys i know personally super great guys all right that's pretty cool that's pretty good well uh i'm glad we're here today this might be the last stream we ever do at 2 p.m we're thinking about moving the show to 1 p.m when we get back we're going to take the week off because we'll be at texas linux fest next week we'd love to see you there meetup.com slash jupiter broadcasting for dinner details there's something Alex and I really want to talk about this week. So maybe we start with this because Brent's inbound right now. He's still he's still traveling, uh, getting back from Portland, but he's inbound to a microphone right now so we can talk about our trip down to Portland. We went down to Intel's uh, Hawthorne campus, which is just a few minutes east of about 15, 20 minutes east of Portland. And we went to Intel's campus and learned all about Clear Linux. I want to tell you a few stories from that trip, including... Me getting pulled over. <laughs> I swear to God, this show makes me, it makes me sound like a bad driver, this show. It really does. What did you do? Well, you have to wait. You'll have to wait for Brent to get here, because I promise you, I'm not a bad driver, but maybe sometimes I have my moments. This time I did have it coming, though. I'll admit that. And then uh, my wife, Hadia, is inbound. We have some big personal news that we want to share. No, geez. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. She's not pregnant. Stop it. Jeez. God gonna don't even say don't stop it i don't need that coming my way uh but we'll talk about that in a little bit but maybe we start with something that's really cool i feel like long term this could make a really big difference just as we record today spacex has some really huge news they've launched 60 internet satellites into space stage one to start up pressures two minutes 15 seconds falcon 9 is configured for flight 10 9 Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition, liftoff. The rocket lifted off from Cape Carnival Air Force Carnival, <laughs> Carnival <laughs> Air Force, uh, Florida area, right on time, ten thirty p.m. I think, which was. Um, 7.30 JB time. It was, um, like, I think their third attempt. Their first attempt was on May 15th. It was scrubbed due to concerns about upper-level winds. And then a day later, they had a second attempt, which was also canceled due to some firmware update issues on, well, pretty much everything. <laughs> and uh, this is a crazy thing that they're doing because they're launching this payload on, these Falcon, on the Falcon rocket, and then they're deploying... 273 miles into space, 60 satellites, which come out in a big, big block. I have the video linked in the show notes. They come out in a big block, and then over time, they spread out and disperse slowly. 
and then they orbit 273 miles. And check out the engine they have on this thing. Now, this is this is something only SpaceX would probably call it, unless unless I'm wrong. The engine on these things is called the Krypton Ion Drive. <laughs> And it'll eventually, over time, raise them to 342 miles above Earth. Yeah, the the video of the the, the satellite deployment is just insanely cool, dude. Yeah. And I guess they designed them to, like, take some damage. So if they bump into each other as they're spreading out, it's all good. Like, they, they've designed them for that. And over time, they plan to have 11,000 satellites in space. We're living in the future, aren't we? That's huge, right? They say they can get it operational with just 400 satellites, but they're going for 11,000. But, I mean, we've already got so many satellites in orbit now and so many junky satellites. I wonder what their plan to, um, once these satellites hit end of life, how they plan to get them out of orbit. I know that that's one thing that that has been a topic of discussion recently, um, is basically these old satellites that people no longer have control over. Uh, still orbiting, and they can't do anything with them. Drop them out of the sky, man. Makes for good fireworks. Well, they crash into each other, and then, you know, you get, like, debris on the International Space Station, and people call it a bullet hole or something. That's future Elon's problem. (laughs) It's future Musk's issue. Yeah. Well, guess what? So, here's the thing, though. So, these are lower orbit than your typical internet satellites. So, um, they say, they claim that the signal-to-ground delay is only 20 milliseconds. Wow. That's not bad. I mean, you're still going to have your travel on terrestrial ground, too, to, to compensate for it, but that's way better than 100 to 1,000 sometimes on current satellite. So, I mean, once it hits terrestrial, maybe add another 20 to maybe 30 milliseconds? Yeah. Yeah, still usable. Right, so you're looking at, like, you know, yeah, a 50 millisecond ping or something like that? Really not horrible at all. Yeah. Here's the moment they deployed the satellites. First stage. And on your right, you can see the fairing deploy from that Starlink satellite stack. The crowd here at headquarters, at, uh, headquarters cheering. I'm sure everyone up in Redmond is happy, too. Interesting way for SpaceX to make some money, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, the distance that these things are up in the, up in the, the, the sky is, is not that different to the distance from Portland to Vancouver just to put that into perspective. And that takes 20 milliseconds. That's, that's pretty amazing. Wow. That is. That's a good way to, that's a good way to visualize it, especially for me. <laughs> and I mean, I think technically on fiber, like once, once you take into account switching and everything, you're looking at like 200,000 kilometers a second or something like that. Yeah, and I, so when I used to work in London, we had two data centers, one on one side of London and one on another. And uh, these two things had a, a millisecond latency of sub 10 milliseconds was the contract we had with the company. Wow. <laughs> and these things were only about 50 or 60 miles apart. So if you consider that it's going from space to the Earth in 20, that, that, is, that blows my, my little human brain. It's wonderful because it could mean a whole new level of access for a whole new uh, generation of people. And if they can keep the cost down, maybe it could actually be affordable for people that are not – that don't typically you know, have access to this A and B could afford it. I, I love the idea. Well, I don't know who this is aimed at, but um, developing countries in particular, um, 
they don't have anywhere near the infrastructure that we do in the developed world. They don't have cables. They don't, they don't in often cases even have good roads in some places. Um, so the, the idea of, of running a cable from, you know, my house and it, you know, fiber optic cable all the way to some, someone that's actually serving internet in the middle of Africa, for example, is that's just never, that's just never going to happen. And, um, it's interesting if you look at like infrastructure going back across the years. So, I mean, obviously in my English heritage, there was a lot of, um, you know, Britain was one of the first companies to invest in proper cabling. So they have copper wires running to most people's houses in England. New, new builds have fiber optic now, but most houses in England have copper cables running to them for phone lines. However, when I was speaking to my friends in Romania, they skipped that and they went straight to fiber. Uh-huh. So all my friends in Romania are, are busy t- are busy taking the mick out of me because they can get gigabit fiber for 20 euros a month. And then there's me in England, supposedly more advanced technically country, and I can only get five or 10 megabit down on ADSL, you know, so (laughs) it's just interesting how technology moves on and and how if you can sometimes skip being the first early adopters to things, it's just interesting. You see that here in the States too with CDMA. Mm -hmm. You don't see a lot of countries rolling out, not some do, but you don't see a lot of countries rolling out CDMA. Is there anywhere else? There are, I don't remember what they are off the top of my head, but there are some, um, I've been corrected many times on the topic. That's why I'm being cautious. <laughs> I should have learned my lesson by now, in other words. Well, I mean, I think this is a lot better idea than some of the other <clears throat> loonier ideas that have been out there before by the big old googs. Oh, you mean like the balloons and the drones and the whatnots? Yeah, Project Loon or whatever it was called. Good point. There's also Pixelpimp brings us up too. Pixelpimp in the uh, chat room says, it's time to build a next generation smaller shuttle like the canceled Venture Star, there is a um, sustainable aspect to what SpaceX is doing that I don't think we've talked very much about here on the JB Network. We don't really have a show where this fits in, so now we get a chance to talk about this. And that's that these these traditionally very expensive single-shot, at least for NASA, first-stage boosters are not only reusable, but the son of a guns are perfectly landing right back on the platform. And that, in fact, here's the moment where it lands for the third time perfectly. We are expecting Seco to happen shortly. That is second engine cutoff. Back shut down. It sounds like we may have confirmation that the first stage has landed. That is a shot from Of Course I Still Love You of the first stage of the Falcon 9 rocket for its third landing. <laughs> of course, I still love you, I think, is the name of the boat with the, <laughs> with the platform, the barge. I think it's called, of course, I still love you. Um, and you just see this thing. It looks like CGI. This perfect landing where these, uh, these legs come out and just... <laughs> that's my sound effect where it, it lands. That's a good one. And that's happening... At the same time, while uh, the spaceship is up doing its thing, like they're running both of these operations at the same time, live streaming all of it with narration. It's a good time. There's a video on YouTube you can watch, which is of SpaceX doing their R&D across the last five to 10 years of basically they're they're launching a giant firework, right? A, A rocket. And they launch it. The first test goes maybe five feet, 10 feet in the air. 
and then back down. Yes. And then the next one goes up 50 feet. And over the years, you see them slowly get more and more advanced and they go up and then they move 100 feet to the right and then 100 feet back to the left and then down again. And it <laughs> there's a really funny shot where they've actually got cows in the foreground in the next field and they light this firework, the big rocket, and it, it's just the, the cows just bolt the other way. But <laughs> yep. the progress these guys are making is astounding. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I get a little bit emotional sometimes when I'm watching these things. Like I just can't believe what I'm seeing, particularly when you have the pair of them coming down from a Falcon Heavy both at the same time. Yeah, I do too. What about you, Cheese? Is it, does this register with you as like something that really matters? To me, it seems like um, not just historic, but it seems important. Well, I believe that we can't depend on our governments to take us further into space exploration. Can that get a ding? That has to get a ding. All right. All right. Here, you know, hold, me, hold on. Let me get out the actual uh, physical bell for that. Thank you. But I mean, I feel I feel that um, with private industry now stepping up to the plate and with it being this almost we, we had kind of talked about this previously too, almost like a billionaire's club. Bezos is in it. Musk is in it. Everybody wants to have a rocket to get off this planet, whatever. Um I think that creates um, an ecosystem where this stuff can thrive. And so by creating that ecosystem and creating little competition, there's a little competition there and it, and it, and it's going to create innovation a lot quicker. So there's a book I'd recommend very highly that you, if you're interested in this stuff that you listen to or, or read, who, who reads but anyway I, I listened to it on audible and it's uh, it's called the space barons i forget who it's by but the the gist of this book is that it it talks about how spacex and jeff bezos is blue something many i forget what it's called blue origin blue origin is called and um how they both take very very different approaches but also some of the skullduggery that goes on about trying to get government contracts and whip them out from under the nose of like lockheed and boeing and all these big ah uh, industrial complex uh, military companies, you know, um, fascinating. And I think had Lockheed and Boeing been doing what they should have been doing, we would have already been a little further along in space exploration. Hey, yo, shots fired. But uh, we can't really depend on them because, well, I mean, it's like a boys' club, right? Like, hey, man, when you when you bringing out that new stealth fighter jet for me? <laughs> oh, it's coming down the pipe next week. Cool. Let's build some rockets later. Sounds good. Kind of going back to what you're kind of touching on here and what Alex was saying is we kind of have been waiting our entire generation, all of us being around the same age now, we've been waiting our entire generation for us to go back to space. I grant you, we've been doing a ton of stuff in local space, but, you know, go back to the moon, go to Mars, be big space explorers again. The best we've gotten, and it has been fantastic, has been um, machines that we've blasted off into space and telescopes. Well, I mean, the internet did come along in the inter intervening period and computers, etc. So it's not like we've humanity have been doing nothing. But I think um, what's interesting is in the 60s, it took a government, you know, a government sized budget to get to space. Whereas now technology has got to the point where it enables innovation at a, a level where, quote unquote, normal billionaires can get involved. You know, I, I just think it's amazing where we are. Agreed. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, I have good news. Um, the uh, the show moves forward, and um, Hadia is near the studio now, so we're about to talk about our big news. But just a really brief follow-up from last week's episode. Last week, I called out for a little bit of help. I was having a rough week last week, and uh, I called up 
for uh, to a higher power, essentially, um, a practicing uh, Wicca witch who specializes in IT support. And I thought I could get some advice from her. Uh, I have three voicemails, um, but I don't know how to check them. It just says the number three. But then when I try to check my voicemail, I just go to my voicemail. I don't know how to use the SIP system that Wes set up for me. I'm an old man. So next week we'll get Wes on the show. He'll sort out my voicemail and we'll see if she called me back. What do you say? You think? Ah, man, I really hope she called you back. Me too. These damn kids with their SIP systems. <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I just, I was like a, I was like a kid in a candy shack with that one. Cause like I got in there and all of a sudden I had a phone where I could make a phone call and I just went crazy and I didn't know how to check my own voicemail because I'm officially an old man. It's either that or the number that you dropped in the IRC. Just, you've got like a bunch of rando, uh, phone call or voicemails left. I'd be good with that. No, I agree. I'm interested to see what they are. I got my first Indian spam call this week. You know, the ones that are like, that, sorry, sir, your PC won't take updates anymore. And I'm like, okay. And I kept this guy on the line for like 15, 20 minutes. And then eventually he worked out I was running Linux. <laughs> he was not happy with me. <laughs> oh, what was the giveaway? Uh, I just said, well, it says bash at the beginning of my command line rather than <laughs> command. So I don't understand how this is going to work. <laughs> You're having yourself some fun with them, huh? You're like, okay. I've never had one before. I've heard you talk about them. But, we, uh, you know, in England, I've been on some telephone preference service. But here, my phone number, I just get spam all day. So I just enjoy it. It's the worst now. It's the worst. I get calls all the time. It's my phone basically only is robocalls now. Just embrace it. You know, have some fun with it. Yeah, I I guess I should. I guess I should. Well, uh, I'm, I'm happy to say we have special guest, uh, my wife, in the studio. Hello, honey. Hello, my husband. Hello. Hello. Well, I'm, I'm really glad you made it in because uh, we're about to take a uh, quick trip on the Starship Domestica oh, here yes. on the program. Mm-hmm. And I thought perhaps you'd want to join me. I do love being on Starship Domestica. This is an idea that Hadia came up with in order to get me to comply with uh, to-do lists. <laughs> like if i call it a star trek thing he'll like it logical he'll pay attention to the list that it's on she's really got it figured out too she's put up a uh, paper list uh on the wall when you enter the studio so it's it's at and she put it at my eye level too uh -huh. so when i walk into the studio i have a sign because i can tell him like every other day for a week and a half that we're going to do something but if i don't send him a calendar alert and i am I don't ever remember to do no, calendars. It doesn't happen. Um, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It has and to go on the calendar. It has to go on the calendar. But there are some things like I'm not going to tell them, oh, by the way, you're the one picking the kids up or dropping the kids off or whatever on this day. It's better to just put it on the list of Starship yeah. Domestica tasks. That's right. So we have a special episode of uh, Starship Domestica, perhaps a beginning of a new chapter. And it all starts with... Did you tell them about our big news? No, not yet. I'm about to. That's why you're here. That's, that's why you're here. I'm not pregnant, Cheese. You say, what? Don't say that. Don't say that. That causes the alarm to go off. I didn't even say anything, man. I, didn't even, I mean, I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> I know. We got a detector. We can, we can detect those things. It all started in Boston. I knew I should have never left you alone for 15 minutes to go to the liquor store. <laughs> so I'm going to start with a little background, right? I'll start with a little background. Hadia and I have been very fortunate to stay at a property owned by her family that we lovingly refer to as the junkyard. It is not actually a junkyard. It's a barnyard with uh, uh, construction equipment in it that has no longer been used or is being stored. 
Uh, and it was just fun as an on-air name to call it the junkyard. And now the entire family and the entire audience refers to it as the junkyard. Plus, if the kids are there for very long, it does become a junkyard. And the dog. The dog's toys are like, it's like carcasses of dog toys littered everywhere in the junkyard. And it's somewhere where we've been staying for... Two and a half years? Yeah. Two years? Something like that? Yeah. And we thought we'd stay for like a week or two, maybe a month. Like it was. I didn't like it. I'm like, we can't stay here. No. In fact, I was even, I even in the vlog, I was still doing the vlog when we first went there. I was like, yeah, we'll be here for like just a couple of, mo- maybe a month at most or something. But over time, we've transformed it into a pretty sweet full-time RV pad. It's got a cement pad. It's got full hookups. It's got 80 amps of power. It's got. Um, Thanks to Jeff. Thanks, high, Jeff. Yep. High-speed internet. Um, you know, all the things, you know, a dump, all the things that a RV family needs. And we got the news recently that the family has to sell the barnyard, the junkyard, mm-hmm. and it has to be sold by October. And so the conversation started, like, what the hell are we going to do? And and honestly, I don't think it started with, we got to, like, we got to, like, buy this or we got to go buy a piece. Like, we just were. No, but it started with, well, what what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah, what are we going to do? Like, are we, should we just go put some solar panels on the RV and just go, go live out in the wild for full time? <laughs> Like, we didn't know what to do. Um, and then, I don't know, something shifted when we were, uh, we were why, were, why were we even in town? We were up in town um, because we were going to have dinner with someone and they no-showed on us. Someone being my dad? Yeah. I just didn't want to call him out. And then was, Oh, that's okay. He's like me. Yeah. Forgetful. And then we started walking around and we found this new place called 192 Brewing. Oh yeah, which uh, they started, I believe, in Kenmore, and they were uh, they used to be Washington's smallest brewery, and now they have expanded to the second location. And you and I watched them build it over over the like year that it took them to build it. Mm-hmm. We finally stopped in there, and we're at their beer garden. And right now, I'm drinking some of their uh, cherry cider. Oh, hello! Yeah, I'm having myself a little cherry cider right now. There's some in the fridge if you want some. If you want to just bring the entire, I have to go pick up kids in a bit. So oh, okay, okay. there's that. Right. And uh, I don't know, something kind of shifted for us. We are at 192 Brewing Company out in what is called the Beer Garden. The Beer Garden. Because it's got some picnic tables and it's outside. And it does have a gate made out of... Pallets. Pallets. Which is kind of clever because they've also made some hangers for plants. And we're letting Levi run around. We're waiting for our first test of the food. So far, the beers have gone really good. I got myself... I didn't even know this was a thing. A cherry... Dark cherry cider. Dark cherry cider. And you got yourself a... Amber Sundown Amber Rye. Nicely done. Yeah. What do you think? Don't forget to talk about the cornhole. Oh, yeah. And you played some really bad cornhole. (laughs) I was playing great. I was playing great until I stepped back and then I was playing poorly. No, you weren't. (laughs) I I was doing great. I got like four in a row while you were like futzing on your phone. Oh, okay. I just didn't see that. You turn I was the busy. camera on to get a capture of the dog, mm-hmm. right? And, and I start losing. Uh huh. I see. Of course, that must have been how it went. So we were sitting there, and it's funny because we started talking about how dumb we are in a way. Like I thought, like this is really kind of amazing that I haven't made this connection. That you and I, for about two, maybe three years, even, have been fantasizing about getting a piece of land with a huge barn on it, and either parking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Either parking our RV next to the barn or inside the barn. Mm-hmm. And here we are on a big piece of property with an RV parked next to a barn. Yeah. And just kind of started connecting like how much we love the town that we're in. All these little 
eclectic spaces that we found in restaurants. Super and, walkable. It's less than a mile into downtown. And I, I guess I'd always pictured like being way off on some piece of property where I could walk around naked and my neighbors would never see me. You know how I fantasize about that. And then we just decided that who cares what the neighbors think? Show it off. <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> no, it was more like, well, if if I don't ever have this fantasy piece of property, like it's like in my mind, it's lined with tall trees and it's on a lake and mm-hmm. it's, you know, two acres that we don't have to maintain or whatever the crap. Like, it's just like this total fantasy. And I realized like we love this town of Mount Vernon. It has been amazing. And this piece of property is just right there. I'm not joking. I think this place just sold me on buying the junkyard. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just having another little... I mean, this is like the third or fourth spot that we just love, that we could just walk to in five minutes. Uh-huh. That's that's so great. And it's in the shade. It's outside. We can bring Levi. The problem is I just love this town. I know it's yeah. not even the junkyard. I mean, the junkyard's great. I mean, it's great. But I love the town. Is what are the chances we'd come here tonight while we're trying to decide if we should buy the junkyard? And we find another spot within five minutes from the junkyard that we love. <laughs> I guess I've never bought a place because of the area around it so much. Is that a weird thing to say? Like the town has not really been a reason why I've wanted to buy a place. And now I'm thinking we're going to make an offer to see if we can pick this place up before October. It's big. It's a lot of work. It'd be like. It is a lot of work. Be like a year or two of just basic Oh, you basic mean like a cleanup. decade? Oh, oh for cleanup. cleanup. Yeah, no, just mm-hmm. cleanup. For sure. Yeah. But it's already set up for us in the RV, so... It's usable we, today. It's li- It's obviously livable. We've been we're living all, there already, two years. As long as the kids don't grow more than two more inches <laughs> before we have any room for them inside the barn, which we then have to clean out and renovate at least partially, and it's that will be a long-term job. Yeah. We're basically set. Yeah. The neat thing about that barn, though, is it's huge. And so we'd have a ton of storage, which we don't have at all no in it right storage. now. But the upstairs, if you've ever watched the vlog, you know this already, it's an apartment. It's already been converted into an apartment. It just is like from the 40s and hasn't been used it's in a decade. It's creepy chic. Yeah, it's creepy chic for sure. Creepy chic? <laughs> creepy yeah. chic. Yeah. And so it has to be I mean, just completely redone. But then there's another space that would make amazing office space mm-hmm. and living room space. And I mean, the list goes on and on because it has been lived in by a family in the past. Uh, it was just a long time ago. And now it's you know been neglected. I'd be willing to bet, and I'm not the best with square footage, but I'd be willing to bet that each floor is 2,000 square feet. Oh, yeah. So, And you've got the base floor, which used to be a mechanic's garage. And then we're talking like 50 years ago before my family bought the property and then renovated it. And then somebody lived in it for a while. Anyway, there's it's got a long history. But then the second floor is 2,000 square feet. And then there's also a third floor, which we finally got to see thanks to Brent being willing to yeah. <laughs> encourage us. We were it was it's very creepy, yeah, uh, but very cool. Brent was Brent was such a bro. He he like went down and got some of his camera lighting for us because there's no lights on the. Is this the, is that technically the third floor? That would I be guess? the third floor. Yeah, there's no lights that we could figure out how to work. And but we we were so it is so cool. Up there. It's so cool because it's like the peak of a barn. Yep. It's it's exactly which of an old cool barn that's still in mm-hmm. really good shape with a really good roof. So it's like an, it's just yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. The property itself is nearly two acres. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, we would go from having no land and no property to having two acres and a giant barn. And it's got some old containers on it uh, that my dad could move. He's got the equipment to move the the containers, but those containers would be so cool yeah, for the kids. There's three we cleaned usable. them out and, mm-hmm. and fixed them up a little bit, and the kids could just have their own cool clubhouse out there. Yeah, a little fort or something. Yeah, they're actually, those, those three would be pretty cool. I guess right now they're like mostly holding... Um, office equipment and stuff that they just oh yeah and maybe landscaping equipment yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's just i don't know there's a lot of opportunity i don't know if we'd, it'd be you know kind of tight for us to pull it off and it's not something we'd really planned on doing it just sort of no when we thought about losing the junkyard and the other thing that's great about it is on either end of the junkyard there is uh children that are our children's age that love to play with our kids so they have two different sets of friends on opposite ends of the junkyard that they can play with. And these friends are such, they, they enjoy them so much that even on the weekends that Ange has the kids, she will go out of her way to meet up with these other families. And that means, I, I mean, both families are driving a half hour or so to meet up. I mean, that's how good the, the friendship is with these kids. And then the yard's just like a paradise for them. Oh, yeah. Playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be huge for us, I think. That'd be a really big thing if we end up getting that. So we're going to, we're going to start talking. We went to, uh, Last week, we went and uh, started the process, started the process. So it's just very early days, but I think we're going to try. Is there enough room in the barn to actually park the RV? Yeah, you could park it in there. I don't know. The barn is more than big enough, but there are uh, like supporting... Beams. Yeah, columns. Um, Oh, I got you. I think we'd have to dig out, take out the flooring because the flooring's wood in there. So that's not going to support the RV. So, But if we took the flooring out and we gained another couple of feet, I think we could. Linux Fest Northwest next year, we could uh, crowdfund or crowdsource the labor to build you a canopy over Lady Jupes. <laughs> That's actually what we're thinking about doing is just uh, build a carport that hangs off the side of the barn. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's pretty great. You know, it's pretty great. And then also in, in the process of these conversations, I discovered that there is fiber laid down in the area near the junkyard. So we may actually be able to get. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe be able to get fiber into the barn. Which <laughs> JB2. You heard it first. It'd be pretty, actually be a pretty great spot. There is a spot that I would say in a week or two, I could, I could, I, maybe in less than a week, I could make it recordable. It's, uh, it's not, it wouldn't take much because we, in, in this, uh, digging around with Brent the other day, we discovered entirely new rooms in the barn that we didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Would you be able to monetize it, like rent some parts out as Airbnb and things to like make extra cash? Would that work? We'll build, well, yeah, we'll turn the crates into an Airbnb. Oh, yeah. Shipping container Airbnb. Well, I'm even thinking one of those for a studio. Yeah. We'll, we'll charge a Pacific Northwest premium. I think the container for an Airbnb is a good idea because we can freaking sterilize it afterwards. And you know you got to. <laughs> you know you got to. Yeah, you should, right? You probably should. Yeah. The only Linux and open source podcast network brought to you literally from inside a container. Not just talking about them, inside it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could also make for great studio space. That's true. They could. Yeah. All right. Any, any other uh, items on the Starship uh, domestic agenda this week? I don't think so. None that are as big as that. Yeah, I know. There's so many things going on. Maybe in the future we'll update people on Lady Jupes. There's some stuff going on. Hey, and later on we could talk about the fact that I'm nearly a published author. I mean, we don't have to do it now. That doesn't have to happen now. Getting really close, though. It's getting less than two weeks. Yeah, but people just want to know about flash mobs. Oh, they do? I mean, that's a thing, yeah. So, Hadea, next time my wife's in town and you two meet up, she would absolutely love to come in a flash mob with you. (gasps) Oh, Catherine. 
Correct. She's got a new dedicated speaker too. I think we should all do it. I think that would be. I think that would be la lovely. Yeah. What do you think, Cheese? You think the junkyard? Uh, you come hang out, park your rig on there with me. Oh, absolutely, man. Do a little camping. Wouldn't that be cool? I would totally do that. Yeah, especially if you had another like uh, thirty or fifty amp, just a pole outside. You know. Oh yeah. Also, I'm just going to put this out there. What do you think about a garden? I've been thinking all week about a garden. Really? Of course. I was thinking at the back of the yard. Oh, yeah. But over by the fence? Yeah. You know, here's what I think we should do. I think we should start growing our own food on that 15-foot strip Uh between our yard and the ward's yard. Maybe put down a couple of cannabis plants and just fucking go for it. I was talking about that on the pre-show, actually. Oh, maybe that's because I was listening in. Oh, okay. I think we should go over there and steal their chickens. Yeah, so people in the recording don't know this, but in this process of having a conversation with family about the yard, we discovered that there was a, like, clerical heir, and our yard extends 15 feet into our neighbor's yard, which includes a bit of their garden, a bit of a shed. And their chicken coop. And a nice row of trees, too. Mm-hmm. All all ours for the picking. But I, I don't want to do anything about it. I just want to, like, like, subtly hold it over them. How do you do that? I see my trees are growing real well there, yeah, neighbor. Yeah, like things like that are like, hey, my trees are looking really good, huh? Or uh, like just kind of stand in that section of the you yard. You want to go pee in their yard, don't you? It's my yard. You wanted to stand naked without your neighbors worrying. That's your spot. Hey, it's how God made me. It's how God made me, right? I got nothing to be ashamed of. <clears throat> got nothing to be ashamed of. Why do we talk about our trip to Portland? Because Brent's almost here. And uh, so I want to get us going on this because this was, this was something else. I've been uh, trying to wrap my head around uh, old clear Linux now. Um, this is a product by Intel. You know, the people that make the CPUs inside your computer. They, uh, they make a distribution called Clear Linux, and it's pretty competitive. It's, first of all, super optimized for the IA platform, and they have a couple of things that make it unique over other distributions, a quasi-rolling release model, uh, a stateless application design, and they have a bundle system as well as a mix system. So that's the high level of Clear Linux. To learn all of that and to fully understand what all of that means, though, we had to go down to Portland. And uh, that's where uh, the story sort of begins. So I'll start at the end of the story until Brent gets here. But uh, I, uh, if you were listening to last week's Friday stream, you probably heard me try to talk Brent into uh, coming back to Washington and going down to Portland with me. And like the baller that he is, he actually did it. And he actually, he got on a plane, <laughs> packed up all his photo photo gear, everything he has with him, and he flew back to uh, Vancouver, and then he took the train down here uh, to um, Washington, where Hadia picked him up at the train station after he walked around the town, Mount Vernon, which we were just raving about, which Brent also thought was great, which in- immediately endeared me to him. Uh, but I thought we'd start at the end and talk about the Jupiter Hotel that we stayed at. This was so great. Oh. What? No, I just, I, I've seen a picture from there. Your little jelly? It's not a little jelly cheese. Oh, yeah, a little bit. So there's a hotel in Portland called the Jupiter Hotel, and uh, they have Jupiter on everything, yep. including condoms, which they leave in the room. They have Jupiter yep, brand. Right on top of a please clean up after sign. yourself sign. Mm-hmm. And they have a policy. Do you remember their smoking policy? Yeah, their smoking policy is if you're going to smoke, smoke outside your room. Mm-hmm. We don't care what you smoke. Just don't smoke inside. So so don't smoke Smoke outside the room. We don't care what you smoke as long as you don't share it. And I think that's to imply don't share it with minors. I don't, I don't know what that is. And then the drinking policy is you're welcome to drink, but drink inside your room. 
unless you're drinking in our beer garden. They have a beer garden. So we got in kind of late. And so we got the last two rooms in the Jupiter Hotel. Mm-hmm. So we got a room for ourselves. And then we got a room for Brent. And um, the only rooms they had left were above the beer garden. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, poor Brent didn't even fall asleep till 2 a.m. <clears throat> I didn't do much better. I think I got like... I was out. I got like 10 minutes of sleep the whole night. Um, it was it was rough. The hotel was fine, really. It was a little stuffy. It was fine, though. They had good free internet. It was super internet. cute. It was cute. It's, an, it's a renovated motel. And rather than allowing you to park in the um, parking lot, they've turned that into sort of a common area, including the beer garden for the really cool bar, the very kitschy bar that's attached to it called Doug Fur. And if any of you guys are from Portland, you might know about Doug Fur. It's it's uh, pretty hipsterish. I'll give them this phenomenal food. Really good food. Really good. Like lick the plate good. And very interesting art in the rooms. And they give you earplugs too that say Jupiter on them. I I just, I can't really abide by Portland traffic. I really hit my limit at getting out of there um, on our way back. I just, something about it, I just snapped. I couldn't stand it. Like having to wait for them to bring me my car. I don't know what my deal was because you'd think I'd love that, but I just did not like it. I just wanted to walk to my car and get the f- out of there. And then like, the traffic is so bad, it's so packed, and everybody, the streets are so lined with cars mm-hmm. that you can't see oncoming traffic when you're pulling out into oncoming roads. A whole thing. I think, I think it was also that you hadn't slept. That made it worse. I like the fact that I got to tip the valet with a cider. Yeah. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I don't keep cash on me. And so I'm like packing stuff, and, and Chris is like, babe, do you have any money on you? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I think we're supposed to tip the guy. I'm like, uh, so I just turned to the guy. I'm like, listen. I was kind of hoping I'd have cash on me. I do not have cash on me, but I do have this cider. Would yeah. you like a cider? And, and the he guy looks at me and he, he goes, pauses. He, he looks pauses. At it. He looks at me he's like, well, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, here you go. Mm-hmm. And he was still super polite. He like opened my door for me and everything, even after he figured that I wasn't giving him money. I was just giving him yeah. cider. I reach a point when I'm really tired and exhausted. Um, it doesn't generally happen unless I've been traveling a lot. Like I'm saying, like driving for five days, you know, 10, 14, mm-hmm. 16 hours a day, just nonstop pushing hard. I get to a point where when like we arrive at a campground or like in this case, just because I hadn't been sleeping for days at this, ho- you know, and then we're at this mm-hmm. hotel where I just don't want a human anymore. Yeah. So I just tell Hadia, I'm like, Hadia, were you human for me? But sometimes like you just people that they just want to talk, man. They just want to like, how you doing, sir? Good morning, sir. How was your stay, sir? Uh, anything I can do for you? And I was looking at my car kind of funny because like it was leaking water from the door. Like it had rained and it had collected in the door well and it was coming out and he pulled up because the guy was and I was just looking at it. And it's like, is everything OK, sir? Anything wrong? I, I, it was just too much. I thought that was your technique to to get everybody to focus on something other than the fact that we didn't have cash on us. And I'm like, I'll go for it. Oh, that would have been clever. Yeah. No, I was just zoning out. I was just zoning out. That's it. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, entering the studio now, it's Brent. Hello, Brent. Dun, 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 dun. Hello. 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 We were just uh, we were just starting to talk about our trip to Portland. We started with the end, talking about the Jupiter Hotel. Oh, man. That was so much fun, wasn't it? That was great. Um, so let's talk. Let's start, though. Um, this is kind of embarrassing. So Brent got up here on a Monday, and he did Linux Unplugged with us because Wes was out of studio, so it was great. He's He was in Barcelona at Kubicon. And then we're on our way up to go pick up the RV because it's been in the shop recently. And uh, I'm driving on the freeway, and this Subaru is being really, like, it's from the on-ramp 
onto the freeway, all the way up to the off-ramp, just really riding my butt a lot. And I don't know why either, because I'm not like, you know, going like super slow or anything. And so it just sort of was bugging me, but I remained cool, you know, put the cruise control on, kept my cool the entire way. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be baited by some Subaru. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm much too mature for that. So Brent's in the car with me. You may have let one or two words go, I think. Yeah, I may have had a few comments to make sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not above that, but I'm not going to respond, you know, uh, with the car. I'm not going to get drawn into that game. So we're driving home uh, uh, to go uh, to go meet up with you, Adia. And uh, Brett and I are just chatting along, and I pull off the freeway, and I'm coming over the overpass. And this trucker and I, we lock eyes. His trucker, he wants to pull onto the road that I'm already on. I'm doing like 45 miles per hour. The trucker looks at me. He starts to roll. I don't slow down. So the trucker comes to a stop, looks at me again, hesitates for a moment, and then goes for it and pulls out in front of me. Only this time now, because of all the hesitation, it's much too close to be safe, right? So I really got to like kind of like slow way down to like, you know, five miles per hour. And after getting harassed by that Subaru the whole drive, something in my head just like it flipped. Like I just, I don't know, it was the end of the day. Again, I hadn't slept much. It was like, you know, I was all like cranky. And um, I was like, screw this, I'm passing this truck. And so I, uh, like a gentleman, you know, drop it a gear or two. And uh, as a gentleman does, cut over into the turning lane. I mean, I do a look around to make sure there's no oncoming traffic. I'm not an animal. Again, gentleman. And I politely pass the truck in the passing lane. Turning lane, I mean, turning lane. Well, I mean, you know, like I don't honk. I don't flip them off. I don't like cut right in front of them. I give them plenty of room. You know, then I just move over. Like, I don't, I'm not there to antagonize him. I just don't plan to be around this guy, behind this guy. Cause, like, I gave him a hot second, right? And he's only doing five miles per hour. He cuts in front of somebody doing 40, 45. He's doing five. That's a 40 mile per hour, you know, reduction. The least he could do is wait for me to go by. He saw me. He hesitated. He gave me the onesie look and then he went for it and hesitated. And, and then he goes. It was too much, right? He just needed, he just needed to take action that first time when I was further back and it would have been fine. But I don't know. I was just like, I'd had it. So I passed him in the turning lane. However, at the park and ride right by the turning lane there, there was a sheriff in a truck. Saw the whole thing. He had the best view of the entire situation. Yeah, he really did. Other than me, I think. (laughs) So he pulls me over and he's like, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know why. So he comes back. I can't find my insurance. And what was the line he gave me, Brent? He starts scolding me for driving like that. And the whole time you're like, I know, I know, I know I did something stupid. But he said, I forget what he said. What was it? He's like, you don't want to drive like that because you might hurt your friend here. And he points to Brent. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He said, do it for your friend. (laughs) Yeah, do it for your friend. (laughs) Like, okay, thank you, officer. And he let me go. Oh, so you got off with just a warning. Yeah, so I was on good behavior after that, as one does. There was, uh, you know, we were shuffling a little bit to try and find some paperwork, but, uh, and he was like, I don't have time for this. So he's just like, just, just be smarter. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) So we woke up, we woke up Wednesday morning. We all took care of some work before we uh, headed out. We drove down to Portland. It was a good drive down overall, really. Um, We got there just right about on time and um, sat down and, you know, absorbed as much information 
as we could. I thought it was a pretty worthwhile trip, but Brent, I'm kind of curious just because you're, you know, you're an outsider. You don't live here in the Pacific Northwest. You don't generally jaunt down from Seattle to Portland, uh, spend a little time in the, uh, in the area while it's sunny. What were, what were your takeaways from the trip? Overall, the trip, I think, went by far too fast. Um, I felt like every moment I was just trying to like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to take that in. Like some of the drives we did on some of the secondary hotels and stuff were amazing. Um, but going down to Portland, it had been on my list for a long time to check out Portland. And uh, man, it had such a different feel than Seattle did, I found. Um, but the whole um, being on the Intel campus was really, really fun. Um, a lot of people there were really great and looking forward to us showing up actually, which was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I think it was all around a little bit of a whirlwind for me, but, uh, really great overall. So we had, uh, we, we crammed in a lot of stuff in very few hours. So it was great. We did. I, I really enjoyed my time with you. Uh, what's great about Brent is he's pretty much down for anything. You know, you want to hang out and watch some TV. He's good with that. You want to go drive out to a coastal town and uh, have some uh, Mexican food? He's down with that, too. You know, you want to go down to Portland? All right, Brent will do it. (laughs) It's just like, okay. Just got to (laughs) ask. Yep. Yep. Want to share those fried Brussels sprouts with me? Yes. 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 Yeah, that was some good food. Want to lick that plate clean? Go for it. But, you know, Hadia observed, and I think uh, rightly so, she says that uh, Brent's a really good listener. And I agree. You've got a good, you got a good knack for listening to people. Oh, thanks, you two. That's really great. I, uh, that's a skill that I like to have. So it's nice to hear that it's actually uh, it's working. I'm not just faking it. So that's great. Thank you. So did you guys run into any uh, JB fans? I did, actually. I did run into a fan um, who works at Intel. And uh, has been following the shows for a little bit and has, uh, was glad to hear we were coming down. And then Intel's uh, community representative was there and she was gl- glad to see us. And she's a listener and she's starting up her own podcast too. So we're cool. Going to help her a little bit. Was it, is it Clear Voices? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So they're, she's, doing a, she's doing a podcast where she interviews some of the open source folks at Intel and, and other people. And uh, so, yeah. So, so, yeah, here's my information. Let's chat. We'll get you some, get you set up and give you some tips and maybe get her on a future show to talk about it. And it sounds like these are, this is a series that they're doing yeah. up here and then down in Next there. one's in California. Yeah. But they're going to do more all over the place. Like they're going to start making a lot more noise about their Linux distribution and their contributions on a reoccurring regular basis now. This is the first. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it is. I think it was a lot of fun. So what, what's in it for Intel? To do that. Oh, what's in it for Intel to make clear Linux? It, I think it's the, the, the takeaway that I got is they want to be able to pitch you on a, an entire stack from the Intel processor and chipsets to a machine that specializes in machine learning and a system that specializes in different areas where it can be hardware accelerated for those things. And then the other area where it's a little bit of a differentiator than most distributions is their their version of rolling is ridiculous like they do it they do like sometimes multiple releases a day first of all and second of all uh they have this whole bundles and remix concept where you essentially build your own distribution and use them as upstream and uh that's a pretty interesting concept especially for enterprises that want their own custom images and then last but not least their whole stateless application design essentially what that means we got finally got clarification on that Intel's definition of stateless is you install an application like Postgres or Mongo or whatever, and you don't have to configure anything. You could you could delete the Etsy directory, and the application still starts and runs 
uh, with a same default config. And those are some standout differentiators. The thing I really picked up on was uh, they were really hammering security. Um, the whole reason they were doing the rolling release was to get security updates uh, and patches out as fast as possible. And I kind of observed, like, uh, I know Intel's had some, um, let's say, challenging security news um, in the last year or two, you know? And so I wondered if that was a bit of an angle to try to say, no, 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 no we, we do care. And, and we are doing as much as we can to make the the whole stack as secure as we can and putting some people on it. So it seemed like uh, well, a good thing. It seemed really great. Yeah, you can also install like any version of the software. So they keep every build forever right now on their server. Um, and they said something with aggressive deduplication at somewhere around 16 terabytes, but without deduplication, it's closer to like 76 terabytes of data <laughs> that, they, that they've just been trying to move around from one cloud provider to the other. Um, and right now their plan is to keep every build that they've ever released of every package forever. They may change that when storage becomes impossible, but that's the plan right now. It was a good event. You know, they have enough, they have like a real legit auditorium at the Intel campus. Um, and then they had, they had catered food in. they brought in way more than they needed to food and beverages, which is really great. And they broke it up in a different section. So they had like an overview of the architecture on, uh, and then after that, they had a break, and then they had demos of it in production using a couple of different use cases, which I'll talk more about in Linux Unplugged. And then they had a hands-on session after food, and it was, I think it was pretty clever. I liked it. And the trip was great. Crip, you know, getting to spend time with Brent, having him down here at the studio for a couple of days, getting to show him a few favorite spots here in the Pacific North-Northwest. That was really great, too. It was all really good. Yeah, I'd say the whole the whole time for me was tons of fun. Just hanging out with you and Hidia the whole time. I think we laughed more than we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was just awesome. I, I think really connecting with you guys was great. Um, the the event, of course, in Portland was one of the highlights, but it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say it was the highlight for me. It was all like just a whole slew of highlights. So it was really great to to be there with you guys. So thanks for all that. I agree. And Brent snapped some great photos, which I'm sure we'll get out there at some point. We'll, co- we'll cover more about the actual event and some of the details we learned in uh, Linux Unplugged. Before we get out of here, though, I thought we'd play a little game. Just a little test. What would you do? So this is based on a real story that happened recently. Someone broke into a 44-year-old man's house. He lives in a single-family home, a typical suburban tree-lined street, Someone broke into his home and thoroughly cleaned his house, including even even tied a rose on his toilet paper. I mean, spotless, professional cleaning. They broke in and cleaned it. He then went to the police and reported this. And I thought to he myself... He reported himself? No, reported the break-in. The, oh, the, the guy that... Okay, gotcha. And I think to myself, you just ruined a good deal because that person might come back and break in again. And that's when it crossed my mind that perhaps... There's certain types of home invasion I can live with. Are we certain it wasn't his mother? No, we don't know. This is all for this is all possibilities. So I'll go around the horn, starting with you, Hadia. If someone broke into your place and then just cleaned it spotless, would you report it to the cops? Honestly, would you call up the cops? No. No. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I would either. All right, cheese. If someone breaks into your house, they use up all your stuff. Maybe they even take a big old duke in your toilet, but they leave you $500 cold cash on the counter. 
Would you call the cops? Uh, depends on what the house looked like. Did they flush the duke? It's just used. Oh, yeah. You just, like, you know, there's some streaks and some smells. Probably not. Box of Kleenex has been used. Mm. The 500 cold cash. All you got to do is just tidy up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call the cops. No, okay. Because they, they could come back. What about you, Alex? Someone breaks into your place, cleans it real, real good. They're up in my business. I'm calling the cops. Oh, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. I thought one of us would do it. I don't know. To me, I feel like it is a bit of an invasion, but if they clean or leave some cash, I'm pretty good. Let's be honest. It's a bit of a ridiculous situation, this, though, isn't it? <laughs> it is ridiculous. If I was there and it happened, they would probably get shot. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right, Tex. And what about you, Bitten? What would you do? Um, well, you don't know if the money's dirty. That's true. It is a risk. This is going in a new direction. <laughs> <laughs> that was clean money, maybe dirty. All right. So if you're saying if they clean the place, you don't call the cops. But if they leave cold cash, you're calling the cops. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I don't know, man. If they do it again next week, then you got a thousand bucks. All right, Brent, what about you? What would you do if uh, somebody broke into the place and they uh, cleaned it really, really well? You're assuming it's not clean already. <laughs> of course oh okay all right okay i think that's a, that's a fair assumption i think <laughs> um um i my first thought was oh shit the neighbor called the cleaner and they came to my place instead of my neighbor's place yeah right i you know i think if it happened twice i would definitely call somebody to figure something out or put up cameras and try to figure it out but it's kind of a fun mystery at the same time so i think i would go with it it would be i would go with it for a bit at least I try to figure out who it is. You know what I do is I put cameras up. Well, and they're skilled if they're doing the little roses. Right. That's that's serious skill. That's pro-level skills right there. I've thought of a way around the dirty money problem. You can only accept Bitcoin. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'll solve it. Yeah, that'll solve it. We're doing something kind of fun on the live stream. We're going to give away some Steam keys. We did it earlier today before we started the official recording today, and we're going to do it when we are back in two weeks at 1 p.m. over at jblive.tv, that's 1 p.m. Pacific time, we're giving away some Steam keys. Two of us will uh, represent two individuals in the chat room, and then we compete. This time we did Family Feud. And whoever wins amongst our team then wins for the person in the IRC room that they were representing. I think that was pretty fun. I think it was a great time, man. I think uh, it's one of those things that uh, it's, a, it's a super awesome way to give back to the listeners. And and thanks for for Bitten for coming up with the idea. And I'm I'm more than willing to throw some my own hard earned cash down on it too to get a few games that that people might like. So if there are games out there on Steam that you might really like, uh, just ping me an IRC or Telegram or Twitter or whatever. Let me know what they are, and we'll see about getting them added to the list of keys. Yeah, big round of applause to Bite Bitten for suggesting this. I'm really glad we're doing it. It'll be something we try to do more often. Thank you, sir. Really, really think it's a great idea. Yeah, I had the keys somewhere, and they're dusting away, so I'm like, yeah, what's better than gaming by yourself? Gaming with your GB friends. All right, what do we listen to as we get out of here, Cheesy? Uh, so this is another track from the Molly McGrath. Um This is one of my favorites. A Texas surf rock band. Now, uh, a couple of bits of info. We will not be here next Friday since we'll be at Texas Linux Fest, but we will be back the Friday after that. The stream will be at 1 p.m., then the released version comes out later on Monday, all cleaned up for human consumption. You can get all of it over at FridayStream.com, including FridayStream.com slash subscribe, and FridayStream.com slash contact if you want to send us in some Friday feedback. 
I like, I like the alliteration there. Some Friday feedback. Last but not least, I want to encourage you, if you're looking for new work, to head over to Linux Academy's job page. they got a bunch of positions open right now, and a ton of them are remote. So you might be able to do that work from anywhere in the world. Go check out linuxacademy.com for that. All right, everybody. I hope to see some of you at Texas Linux Fest Northwest. Our dinner information for Texas Linux Fest, that meetup, is at meetup.com slash Broadcasting. See you back here in two weeks. Where in the world is Brent right now? Yeah, I'm like L all over again. Um, <clears throat> so where in the world? So yesterday was quite the trip. So um, I managed to leave from Portland at, I don't know, I left the hotel at like 5.30, you guys. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Did Chris wake up this time? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Chris didn't wake up because Chris probably wasn't asleep. That's true. I did not probably fall asleep until 6 a.m. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I see a bit of a theme here, Chris. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Much love to you. We did schedule you. We did schedule you a ride, though. You guys were awesome. Scheduled me a ride. That ride, it was her birthday, and she was in the best mood ever. I think it was the best lift ride you can possibly have. It was great. Oh, that's great. And she was like, oh, yeah, go in the airport. Go here. Go here. She was super helpful. So it was like a dream come true at 5.30 a.m., basically. <laughs> so did you leave Chris another note? No, I didn't leave him a note because... Um, Oh, I should have wrote on your chalkboard door. That's what I should have done. Oh, yeah, you could have. You did send us a telegram, though. That's true. Yeah, so this the hotel had chalkboard doors, which is pretty cool. Someone at 2 o'clock in the morning decided to write on my chalkboard door, which was, you know, not awesome. <laughs> oh, no. What did they write? Uh, something. I don't remember. It was way too early in the morning. It was half nice and half not nice, and I was just like, meh. But, uh, yeah, quick stop in D.C. and then to Ottawa. Um, cause I had to borrow some gear for this photo job that I'm on right now. Um, like literally on in five minutes and, um, and then drove. So we're on Eastern time now and it was like 9 PM by the time I left Ottawa and drove to Montreal for another two hours and got in at like, I don't know, 1230 at night, which, um, is a three hour time difference from you guys. So it was a bit of a crazy day, a bit of a crazy day, but it all worked out. Everything worked out perfectly. It was great. My life is so boring compared to yours, Brent. I'm I'm pretty convinced that he's a uh, he's a, he's like an international spy. <laughs> <laughs>